The button has been pushed. Commencing podcast now. I needed something for the intro, but I'm not going to use that. Welcome to Pop Tech Jam, the independent audio magazine about consumer technology, pop culture, and another week here in the Q Life. I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. And welcome to our show. This week, uh, we've got a whole roundup of news, most of it pandemic-related, as you might uh, have expected. And Al Kaiser here has a few uh, tips and tricks that he's going to share with us, uh, perhaps on the topic of wireless-related uh, yeah. things. Wi-Fi. Yes, Wi-Fi, and uh, yes. M- making it work better for you. Yes, it's important nowadays, that's for sure. Yeah, so uh, so before we, we wade into the swamp of COVID-19 news, do you have any rants or suggestions? I have to say this. There's a lot of TV watching going on, a lot of streaming going on these days. So I'm catching up on a lot of TV shows that I didn't have the privilege or the pleasure of watching before. And two of these shows... I just finished, just wrapped up the whole shebang, the whole schmear. All the seasons. All the seasons. Uh, well, actually, one of them is only one season, but the other one is like six seasons. And I just like binge watched. But again, it's one of these things where it's like 10 episodes or 12 episodes. Yeah, those so, nice you know. containable seasons. Exactly, exactly. I watched Shit's Creek, right? Yeah. Now, that's not a bad word. We can keep our, it's a name, folks. It's, it's, it's a German a name. name right, right. It's a German name. We can keep our, you know, and obviously there's a pun. There's a joke. We yeah. You know, we get it. We get it. It was one of these shows where everyone was telling me I needed to watch it, right? You're going to love it. You're going to love it. I watched like four or five episodes of the first season and I was like, what? No, no. Is this one of these ones where it had to like kick into fourth gear to really find its groove? Exactly right. By the fourth episode, I hated every single character on this show. You know, like literally detested. There was nothing redeemable about anybody on this show. I'm like, I don't think I'm going to invest my time. Even if I have nothing else to watch, I don't want to invest my time on the show. Somehow, somebody online on the cesspool that is Twitter, they suggested give it through the second season. By the end of the second season, you're going to change your mind. And they that's a pretty me. big commitment, you know. It was very the whole it's a end very of the second commitment. season. That's a lot of episodes to kind that of. That was like, yeah, that's like know? 20 episodes. I'm like, ah, you know, if a show takes that long to really find its groove, I'm not sure it's worth watching. But I sat there answering the, are you still watching? Yes. <laughs> and I gave it through the end of the second season. And you know what? It turned out to be a great show. The last four seasons of that show were fantastic TV watching, funny, emotional, the most realistic gay couple I have seen on a TV show ever. Like, like realistic. You know what I mean? It's like you watch TV shows and there's always something about the relationship that seems forced That like, okay, you know, these aren't real human beings. You know, this is somebody's idea of what a gay couple should be, right? Not this show. Very matter of fact, just brilliantly done. I I was tearing up. Because you know, when you come down to it, couples are couples, no matter yes, what they're exactly. made. So if you don't call attention to, oh, this thing is different. Yeah, there, there's going to be some nuances and stuff there, but 
It's just a couple that happens to be gay. So This is just a regular couple. Actually, there were thruples involved, but that's part of the funny part of the whole thing. It is a very funny show. It was really emotionally and well done. And the other show, which I promised I wasn't going to watch, was Tiger King. Have oh yes, the, no, yeah. I, I've not watched Tiger King. There's something about it where I'm just that got That's like exactly ninety nine other said. things I want to watch. You, you you even down to the yeah. I'm not gonna watch. So it. did you watch it and fall in love, and now you're hooked and you're I'm getting not, the, I, I, I a tiger? I didn't necessarily fall in love. The show is completely bananas. All right, so I can see its appeal in this completely bananas world we're in. It is out of control. It is one of these documentaries where you're like, this can't be real life. These can't be. And I, I ended up like, all right, no, no, no. I can't believe this. I would stop and start diving into news reports and stuff like that. And sure enough, everything they talked about on this show was completely true. It is bananas. And again, to my suspicion and to yours, it is a perfect quarantine show because it takes you out of your reality. Is it set in either Florida or Vegas? It's set in actually Oklahoma. Most of oh, it is set in right. Oklahoma. Yeah. Depending on whose side you're on, because it's one of these shows where, you know, you can be on one team or you can be on the other team. You're either on Tiger King's team or on this woman, Carol Baskin's team. There's lions. There's murder suspects. There's like murder for high. It's just It looked like it had some flamboyant characters. uh, Oh, my gosh. Yes. At the top of the billing, too. The Tiger King, completely flamboyant, out of control. But again, you kind of almost sort of feel for the guy, but he's completely out of control. Everyone's out of control. It is just, it will take you completely out of your reality. I'm not sure I recommend it. You know what I mean? But it was just completely bananas. You got to have to So it did the job for removing you from your rather enclosed reality of the past month. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a nice couple of hours where I didn't have to worry about the sirens outside, the pandemics, you know, not touching people, not worrying about. It was just bananas. Absolutely. That's the only way to describe it. All right. Well, Schitt's Creek just sounds like the... Like a lasagna, like you need to give it a little while to settle because maybe the the early parts are a little runny and not really well formed. And then as the lasagna sets up, it gets better. Yeah. And and Tiger King is cheese doodles. Yes, absolutely. Total cheese doodles. Probably the off-brand orange kind, you know? Yes, indeed. With the like stuff that never gets off your fingers, no matter how much you scrub. Anyway, I'm assuming there's news. There's news. It's all kind of news around a certain theme, but some of it is kind of the tech world is getting pulled into the COVID-19 pandemic kind of in really intense ways. And I don't know how much you've been following the news this week, but could the spread of the current COVID-19 coronavirus be tracked by smartphone? This is a question that's on a lot of people's minds. And what does that mean for privacy uh, in the pandemic era? So wow. we, we start off with some very kind of large questions, but these were questions that uh, came to people's mind in the recent weeks, including those of scientists, medical professionals, Apple and Google. And wait for it, the American Civil Liberties Union also had something to say about this. Wow. OK, those are some strange bedfellows. Right yeah, because, as you know, they're, they're trying to track the spread of the disease so they can figure out where it's going, where the hotspots are going to be, how to corral it so that infected people aren't walking around not knowing they're infected, but actually secretly infecting more people. It's all kind of containing 
the virus. And so last week, both Google and Apple announced they were teaming up as the Wonder Twins or some kind of super team to create a contact tracing system that uses Bluetooth technology. And uh, the system will help governments and health agencies reduce the spread of the virus by letting people who are using the app know when they've come close to someone who has the virus. Now, it sounds a little kind of scary and omnipresent. The way the system will work is something kind of like this, and I'm paraphrasing loosely because there's a lot of tech in there and it's also not finished yet. So you start out with a government health department approved app that users can voluntarily download and enable on their phones. So you start there. Now, if you happen to test positive for COVID-19, you can enter your information into the app saying, yes, I tested positive. This is the date and the time. And then what it does is once you put your information into this database, then the app contacts the phones of all the other participating users that have recently been within six feet of you and advises them, hey, you you came into contact with someone who tested positive. Here's what you got to do to stop the spread. We've already seen smartphone location data being used anonymously to map the travel habits of people during the virus outbreak last month. I don't know if you saw the thing on the, the time sure site where it said, oh, these people went about their normal business and these people stayed home. They could tell that from aggregated anonymous data just from smartphone location information. But uh, this new system is asking people to voluntarily register their health status and uh, provide some other data. The United Kingdom and a few other countries are also working on similar systems, uh, and it's not done yet. I don't think they're expecting to have it by May. Privacy advocates, as you can imagine, are wary, uh, shall we say. Uh, Something like this could make centralized government databases that track the interactions uh, and movements of private citizens a hot new thing in mass surveillance. And that's always kind of worrisome. We've all seen V for Vendetta. And even though the specific platform that Apple and Google are working on uses cryptography to protect user privacy, there's still concerning. And they also said that the phone platform they're working on doesn't collect names, locations, or other identifying information, but it communicates. Communicates by sharing anonymous identifier beacons over Bluetooth, which we've seen before for... Hold on, hold on. But how are the black vans going to be able to find the people to dump them in the back and disappear them? I don't know if they're just trailing them down the street (laughs) or if they're also tapping into the Bluetooth beacons here. They can't be putting encryption on this stuff. Yeah. The black vans, the black vans. Well, the, the black vans probably have a few, you know, crack cartographers themselves. I'm going to guess. But so Apple and Google say, no, no, we're, we're encrypting all this stuff, and it's not even going to collect the names of the people or any identifying information, and it's all going to be Bluetooth beacons. Jennifer Granick, the Surveillance and Cybersecurity Counsel for the American Civil Liberties Union, issued a statement that noted, quote, To their credit, Apple and Google have announced an approach that appears to mitigate the worst privacy and centralization risks, but there is still room for improvement. And she goes on to write, We will remain vigilant moving forward to make sure any contact tracing app remains voluntary and decentralized and used only for public health purposes and only for the duration of this pandemic, end quote. And the ACLU put up a, I think it's like a nine-page white paper on their site, outline mm-hmm. their views on this. We'll have a link to it because uh, I'm not going to read the whole white paper because we got other stuff to talk about. Yes, but uh, it is up there on our site uh, for anyone who wants to read it. So this is sort of a, a thing that's forming now. It's not done yet. It's still in development. Who knows if it'll work, how many people will voluntarily put their COVID-19 status in. But it's an effort to, to use something that you always have with you, your smartphone, and a way to kind of reach out and, and maybe let a few people know that they have been exposed because not knowing that people around you have it or have had it or may not be over it yet, I think is part of the reason why it's been spreading so very Of course, online. yeah. I thought maybe it was one of these deals where the, I could put my phone on my forehead 
And it oh, and it would give you your temperature and, and yeah. just say, hey, positive. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. They are working on all the sensors and, you know, the, I'm the sure, yeah. health apps. Yeah, so, that NFC sensor is pretty strong, you know? Yeah, well, you know, give them time. <laughs> but uh, Apple has also attacked COVID-19 from another direction through its once maligned Apple Maps app. The company <laughs> announced uh, that its little program will soon display coronavirus testing sites directly on the maps there. The testing locations. But they're going to be right in the middle of the Hudson River, right? Yeah, or out the ocean or in the middle of a tunnel. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll see, okay. you know, if they have, have nailed down this whole um, pinpointed right. thing that they're having we'll, a problem we'll with. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, but, but they're working on it. The testing locations... Uh, if they are in the area, will appear with a red medical glyph icon. And you know how they always have the little banner of information uh, down at the bottom about the place? Yeah. Usually it's a restaurant yeah. or something you want to go to. That little exactly. information card down at the bottom of the screen I will show the name of the place, the associated healthcare provider, contact phone number for it, and a website. And it'll also pull up the details on the type of testing location it is, whether it's like one of those drive through things or if it's a laboratory or hospital. So it'll give you uh, some information about where you would be going to get tested. Testing sites do need to contact Apple to get on their maps, and the company is asking that applicants state whether or not the site will require a doctor's referral because I guess some of them do. You have to have a, a doctor's note saying that you should be tested. Right. So, so they're going to try to get all this information uh, into this card to, to really just give people a one-tap spot to find out, is there a testing site near me and what do I need to go? Now, while Google has not made a similar move with Google Maps as of yet, and you know Google, they could be working on it even as we speak, of Google has had its own COVID-19 website up for weeks that lists uh, information that's relative to your area based on where it senses your browser is at. So Google doesn't put it exactly in its Maps product, but if you go to their specific COVID-19 site, then you can find out what's in your area. So, so they've kind of got their own variation of that as well. The COVID-19 pandemic has also smashed many small businesses and are now trying to stay afloat in the economic slowdown. But there's an additional source of funds for owners trying to apply and get emergency government. You know, that whole uh, government loans thing is part of the $350 billion paycheck protection yeah. program that was part yeah, of the, yeah, yeah. one of the big bills. The Small Business Administration has now approved PayPal and Intuit QuickBooks to hand out emergency funds to small businesses so that they can have more options than just banks who may May right. possibly grant them one of these loans to stay afloat. Intuit QuickBooks can also um, process payroll information, which I guess small businesses also need to provide to loan lenders in order to get approved for the aforementioned loans. So all of this is part of the recent $2 trillion stimulus bill. But the fact that we've got PayPal in the mix now and QuickBooks could help because I know there was a lot of frustration because a lot of small businesses went to these uh, sites and tried to apply and the banks were either not ready to give out the loans or they could not get through and they tried and tried and they couldn't submit the form because the sites were just so jammed. Maybe the addition of these extra sites will help let them get through and maybe get the loans that they need. Because I know a number of small business owners who are closed temporarily while they try to get their loans processed, but whether or not they can fully come back remains to be seen. And that's very worrisome because small businesses are part of our communities. Yeah, and it's been, I mean, you you see the storefronts even before all this nightmare. There were not, not a lot of small businesses out there to begin with. Yeah. Stuff was dwindling every day, so. And you can walk through certain parts of Midtown and restaurants and bars and things that used to be very lively are now boarded up and just shut yeah. down and got the gates on and, and it's just horribly depressing. Oh, yeah. But anyway, so here's hoping that that, that can help with the uh, Small Business Administration loans there. 
Also in business news, workers in Amazon's ever-busy warehouses are getting more protections against COVID-19 after some employees have been getting sick. And uh, I think some locations even had walkouts over the conditions. I believe we talked about one. As reported by The Verge, workers in the fulfillment centers have been pressuring Amazon to step it up with checking employee temperatures at the warehouse entrance using disinfectant fog in the facilities, enforcing social distancing rules with steps like staggered shifts and even just pushing the tables farther apart in the break room so you're not piled on top of each other. And the company has also been notifying workers when someone in the warehouse tests positive for COVID-19. But they weren't always doing that. A lot of this comes from worker pressure who feel that they, you know, they feel unsafe because they're in there massively packing up all these orders because everyone's moved to online ordering because no one wants to go out. And yet the people who are doing all this work are getting sick. So uh, since the pandemic began, Amazon has also announced that employees can take unlimited time off without pay, get up to two weeks of paid leave if they tested positive for COVID-19 or if they got placed into quarantine. And they also uh, raised the pay by $2 an hour, doubled overtime pay, and gave part-time workers paid time off. But uh, again, it's a huge company and all these warehouses are probably under different management. And uh, some employees told the birds that steps were applied unevenly, but hopefully they're getting there because we need to keep some part of the workforce uh, functioning. One group that may be getting a boost from the pandemic, robots. Oh, lovely. Lovely. Okay. Yeah, because they get different kind of viruses, but not this one, apparently. As the New York Times reports, orders are up for industrial robots that automate jobs like sorting, recycling, cleaning floors, and running checkout stands. So um, people are buying more of these bots. And and we talked about the Walmart floor cleaning bots and and things a couple years ago. But but, uh, the Times story also points out that uh, retailers insist that the robots are augmenting the work of employees, not replacing them. But as the panic buying ebbs, and sales decline in the recession that is expected to follow, companies that reassigned workers during the crisis may no longer have a need for them, end quote. So they're kind of laying it out there. It's like, yeah, you can put a robot in here, but will that person get their job back? I'm betting they won't. The move to automation has been sort of a a march anyway, and I don't know if this will accelerate it or if economic times get hard if people can afford the robots. Oh, true. Very true. So um, I guess it depends on the type of robot. But uh, since the robots are presumably unaffected by coronavirus and they get hacked, but but no viral disease, I expect we'll we'll see more of them. Even a global pandemic uh, can't stop the Apple rumors from trickling out. You know, there's always Apple rumors because right now we'd be starting to to hear buzz. I think they're doing a Worldwide Developers Conference virtually this year. But, you know, it's late April and people always start talking because it's always in June and and they start to hear things. But uh, Mark Gurman, who always breaks a lot of stories related to Apple over at Bloomberg now, (laughs) has a few tidbits uh, that he shared. Uh, Apparently a cheaper, smaller version of the HomePod speaker is in development. I don't know who bought the original HomePod speaker, (laughs) but the people who did, if you want a smaller one, it's could be on the yeah, way. Yeah, if you want a smaller one, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because smaller speakers always sound better. Yeah. yeah. Always um, good. And there's also this thing, I don't know if you've read about it, the Apple Tags, which is kind of like uh, the, those tile things, uh, these little um, tiny wireless discs that are used as little beacons, like if you lose your keys, you can like attach one of these to your key fob, put one in your wallet. Like tile. Yeah. yeah. And if you lose stuff, then you can use, you know, Apple's Find My Fill in the Blank app to, to locate your missing object. So I don't know right. what the price on those. I, I saw little mock-ups of them, and, and they sort of look like big, giant, flat 
tic-tacs. Maybe they had got run over and didn't disintegrate. But but these would be little little things that would tell you where your lost items are. Maybe this could come in handy for, for your kid's thing if your kid is prone to losing items. But the iPhone upgrade is really what people seem to care about uh, the most each year. That's what we hear the bulk of the fanfare about is, oh, what's the iPhone going to be? And because they've been a little flat the past couple of years with uh, the wow department. Yes. High hopes this year. Apparently, Mr. German's uh, talking about a big redesign of the top two models. And uh, in addition to adding the high-speed 5G network connectivity, bigger phone screens, a processor capable of dealing smoothly with augmented reality and much better cameras uh, that we talked about a few weeks ago. There's also talk of an iPhone 5-like look with the flat stainless steel edges, maybe, you know, even going retro. Uh, The iPhone 5 was a very nice uh, phone, I must say. That was a nice phone. That was my first one, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, talking about maybe going back more to the the edge look and away from kind of the curvier designs uh, of recent years, you know, how they it kind of bends down and, and it's rounded on the edges now with, with the current models. Again, all rumors until the keynote, but there's really been some stuff kind of mm-hmm. leaking out about the, these new phones. And, I must uh, say course, one thing. There are 17 million people out of work right now. Mm-hmm. I don't expect that anything they announce is going to make people want to rush out and spend $1,200 on a brand new phone when they ain't got a job. But that's just me. Yeah. That's just me. Yeah. Or little square tiles to find your keys. Yeah. And and who who knows when these things will come out, too, because the global supply chain has been disrupted. Oh, yeah. Everyone's a little bit behind. If if they're wanting, you know, $1,600 for one of these things, that's not going to fly with a lot of the public. There is the talk of the the iPhone 9, uh, where where they stole your joke, but... Stole my joke! The iPhone SE 2 or whatever, the, the cheaper, smaller more entry-level thing. We have not seen that either, although there was some rumor that, that it was going to come out in mid-April, which is now, but I, I haven't seen it yet. hanging around yet. It right. could be out there by the time this the show posts, but who knows? Yeah, We're in the Ides of April. Yes. So, um, so, so yeah, so Apple, uh, keeping busy, I guess it gives the, the Apple Watcher something to talk about just besides the constant drone of gloom and doom with yeah. the virus stuff. And finally... And finally. After years of debate about the shame of staring at screens all day and the possible emotional side effects, uh, the Washington Post has decided that during the pandemic, screen time has gone from sin to survival tool. As uh, WAPO technology reporters Jeffrey A. Fowler and Heather Kelly write, a few weeks in, America's great self-quarantine is prompting a rethink of one of the great villains of modern technology, screens. Screens! Now your devices are portals to employment and education, ways to keep you inside and build community, and vital reminders that you're not alone. The old concerns aren't gone, but they look different when people are just trying to get by, end quote. So, uh, so yes, uh, with our Zoom rooms, our Slack chats, remote learning tools, streaming TV, video chats to keep in touch with friends and relatives, let us all go forward together uh, until we can go forward out the front door and return to real-time yeah. interactions. Really? I don't remember outside. There was an outside. Remember when the outside? Yeah, the, that, the, the weather was different. Sometimes you would go out, and there was this big yellow ball in the sky. I don't, you know. Yeah, I, and, I, I vaguely remember that. And and vaguely. sometimes a wind would would touch your face. You what know? what is this thing you call wind? I don't. Yeah. Understand. So so it's uh, one of these days when we get to go outside and uh, enjoy life out there. Um, I. I was never that super guilty about screen time anyway, if anything. No. I did kind I mean, of step down just because my eyes got tired and maybe it's like, oh, go read this book because paper is a beautiful delivery mechanism too. Yeah, and with the kids, it, you know, it was more about 
making sure they didn't spend all their time in front of the screen. I didn't think it was something that was destroying their little brains or anything like that. If used correctly, I think it augments their, it always augmented their education and all that stuff. But yeah, it's a lifesaver right now. Can you imagine if this was 12 years ago? Oh, yeah. 10 years ago. Please. People would be blood in the streets. Yeah, well, because people would not stay in. They'd be out having to do something. You know, now we can at least huddle inside, download a game, watch a movie. And they couldn't work from home. You couldn't. It would have been impossible in a lot of ways, even up to 10 years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. How far we've come in that past decade. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, I'm, uh, hey, God bless my iPads. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm saying. Yes, they're your windows to the world right now. They are indeed. They are indeed. Yes. uh, So that's about it for the news. Uh, For anyone who wants to read more about the things we talked about, including the ACLU's white paper and uh, several articles uh, around the contract tracing platform that Apple and Google are working on, uh, we have a few different angles on that. Uh, You can find all these links on our show page at poptechjam.com. Up next, some Alkaiser time. J.D., have you heard of this thing called Zoom? I have. I hear it has tremendous security problems, but people love it nonetheless. <laughs> no, nah, it's safe. It's really safe. Don't worry about it. Don't listen yeah. to that. Don't look at what it's doing in Iraq. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, a lot of issues have come to fore, as they say, or maybe nobody says, but I just said. Yeah. Because as much as it drives me crazy, you know, because I'm old school, you know this. I mm-hmm. think you know this. Yeah. When I'm doing anything that involves streaming or making sure that I have a solid connection to the interwebs, I'm always going to put a cable in. That's You're just an Ethernet kind of guy. I'm an Ethernet kind of guy. I want that stable connection. Wi-Fi, okay, it's great when you're checking your mail and all that stuff and maybe doing a quick FaceTime call and all that. But if you want a stable connection, you got to stick to the Ethernet. Yeah, but go the wire. Exactly, the wire. People are not going to do that, period. They like the freedom of being able to like run all over the apartment and do things. That's right. Untethered, flying, be free. Just go with wherever you want to go. If you want to work in the, you know, in the patio, you go work on the patio if you if you're lucky enough to have one. But you know what? The reality of the situation is with Zoom, you know, we were just discussing in the previous segment how screens are being used for pretty much everything now. Having a stable Wi-Fi connection becomes critical especially if you're not going to be jacking directly in mm-hmm. with an Ethernet cable. And you notice right? when it's slow, you get the stutter in your video. Ooh, yes, Things you drop do. out. You get the stutter in your video, you, the freeze, you know, that weird buffer where like half your eye is open and the yeah. other one isn't. And, you Total know, disturbance in the force, yes. Yes. And then all you can do in that Zoom meeting is stare at that person frozen in, you know, like in, in horror. Mm-hmm. You know, it's completely distracting. Or the sound quality, it's like, you get that stuff going on and it's like, come on, that's not conducive. But people are going to insist on sticking on Wi-Fi. So I had a very similar situation this past week where suddenly my Wi-Fi was going, you know, kaput. It was like- Someone jacking your bandwidth, man? Well, that's what I thought. That's exactly what I thought. You know, and then of course, the first thing you do is you blame your service. I'm like, what? I was lucky enough to get Fios and now this, what's going Mm -hmm. on? Oh my God, it was a horror. You know, I was in total panic mode. Yeah. Turns out, legitimately, no exaggeration, I had been working on my desk 
in my little home office space. Making it the best desk ever. Trying to, since I'm spending all my life there right now. <laughs> I had to move my router down about a foot from where it was original. Okay, so 12 mere inches. 12 mere inches. That was all it took to completely screw up my internet connection. You made the router angry. I made the router gods angry. That's exactly it. Now, when I moved it back up, it was okay. And there's a reason for that, but I'm going to get to what the reason is in a second. But first and foremost, a couple of tips. This is not a triple H. This is just me experiencing and maybe sharing with you some Kaiser tips. Yes, your life experiences through your travels in tech. Exactly. First and foremost, familiarize yourself with your router. I know it can be intimidating if you've ever dug into your router settings. And I know when you buy a new router, a new, you know, modem and all that stuff, you can get it. You can rent it from your service provider. It's easy. And a lot of times you just log into a website and they'll do everything for you. You know what? Do yourself a favor and try to learn as much as you can about what you can do on your router because there are a lot of options in there. Very simply, just switching, a, you know, flipping a switch can get you instantaneous, better Wi-Fi. Number one thing, as we do with everything, you know this, I know this, update your router firmware. Mm-hmm. Just update your firmware. It's as simple as that. It's very easy. You download it. And most of the time, it's just clicking on a button and running an application. That's it. Puts all the latest security patches. With all the latest security patches. Exactly right. Number two, figure out what frequency bandwidth you're on. Nowadays, it's 2.4. That was the old standard. Well, actually, it's still the standard. 2.4 gigahertz. That is the frequency, right? But higher speeds necessitate bigger bandwidth needs. So now you got 5 gigahertz, right? All this stuff on 5 gigahertz. Decide on what bandwidth you're going to use. Now, more than likely, if you want a little more speed, using 5 gigahertz is going to make you or give you a little more speed and a little more stability. It also allows you to roam farther away from your router. That's always a good thing. The problem is if you're on 2.4, you're going to be competing with a whole bunch of other people in your household who are using the same frequency. So you got to deal with bandwidth hogs like my daughter who Mm -hmm. likes to watch TikTok videos and YouTube and stream her shows all at the same time. She'll have three things going at the same time. I don't understand how she can even watch this stuff, but kids are good at the multitasking. They are indeed. They are indeed. So identify your frequencies, right? And then change your channel. Okay. Wi-Fi or router routers deal with channels, especially the 2.4 gigahertz. Okay. You can change the channel on five gigahertz, but they don't necessarily overlap. The problem with the 2.4 gigahertz frequencies is that they overlap each other. So you want to find the one that's best, that's less traveled. Now you can get an app that will tell you, okay, this channel is not being used that much. That channel's being used. Basically a better rule of thumb for me personally is I stay away from the middle. I go to the end or the top. It'll be either uh-huh. one or whatever You're the bottom one extremes. is. I am indeed. Because usually most people will stick with whatever the default is. As soon as you turn it on, most people will stay in the middle band because that's where it defaults to. So I'm change on channel your five. channel. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. The other thing is also be aware of other devices that are broadcasting on 2.4 gigahertz. 5 gigahertz now, a lot of phone systems will use it. So don't put your router next to your phone if it's a cordless phone. Keep it away from your microwave, which also broadcasts on 2.4 gigahertz. Okay, now you understand why I get a little freaked out by this whole... Uh, you know, Internet of Things. Yes, folks? you know that everyone's because talking. Exactly, they're all talking to each other. Yeah, all baby monitors are around. also on two four. Baby aren't they? monitors, yeah. absolutely two point four. When we had, when our kids were younger, we we had situations where that really became an issue. Another thing is, and this is a little more complex, but again, if you're willing to dive into that router, dive into that modem, rather, dive into that internet box, whatever you call it, you can assign or deprioritize different applications that are being used on your modem. So for instance, if I'm playing a video game that's hogging up all the bandwidth, I can go into the quality of service, a QoS they call it. Every router will have this. Every modem will have this. It'll give you the option to prioritize what applications are going to take priority over others? So if you need Zoom for your work call and your kids are playing, you know, what what is it, Animal Crossing now? That's the big game. They're playing Animal Crossing or, you know, whatever. Back in the day for me, it was Unreal, you mm-hmm. know, Unreal Tournament. I can prioritize one over the other. But again, you need to be into in the nuts and bolts. You need to be diving around, rolling around in the muck. Yeah, because you got to find the express lane here for your most popular applications. Absolutely. And I cannot stress enough, bandwidth hoggers. Those are the ones that you really need to address right away. But now, the kicker is positioning your router. Okay? I know. Well, two things, actually. The positioning and actually buying your own modem. I would really, really, really stress to people, if you can afford it, I realize times are tough right now, but if you can afford to buy your own router, your own modem, I keep calling it a router, but it's a modem, folks. Forgive me for mixing up the terminology here, but it's if you can get your own modem instead of renting the one from whatever service provider you get, you might want to consider that. Now, you can still dive into the nuts and bolts, but a lot of these modems that come from the service providers aren't all that good, to be perfectly blunt. You know, they buy them in bulk and they are essentially designed to be, and forgive the term, idiot proof. You know, they want you to rely on them to make all the changes and to do all that because, you know, that's their business. They want to make sure you stay there. So as much control that they have over your system, the better for them. I mean, it's it's business. I mean, I can't fault them for that. Well, they can probably limit what you can do with it, too, if they've got their own they software on do. there. They absolutely do. So if you get your own modem, you can go in there, set up your own VPN if you want, your your own private virtual network. It's, it's not as hard as it sounds. Again, a lot of these modems will walk you through the steps. And there are a lot of switches in there that can improve your bandwidth situation or it can expand the range of your modem. So this is all stuff that you want. And now I'm not, I haven't mentioned mesh systems and all that, or Wi-Fi six, um, because most people haven't really dealt with that stuff, right? Plus we're in New York so, and we don't have big enough apartments to need a mesh exactly, system. Exactly, you don't have big enough apartments. 
the biggest, biggest trick for me, like I said, was moving down, but positioning it in the apartment. Okay. So you've got an apartment, let's say with four rooms, right? You set the router up in the middle of that apartment. It may be in a bedroom. It may be, you know, somewhere, but the idea is if it's as centralized as possible, that one modem can cover the entire apartment. Because unless you're living on the Upper East Side in some penthouse, more than likely, a very decent new Wi-Fi modem will cover your entire apartment. You won't have to deal with dead spots unless, of course, your walls are super thick. And then in that case, you want to make sure that you put the router, maybe not so centralized if the walls are super thick. You know, I'm not talking a load-bearing wall. I'm talking drywall. Yeah. If you've got a situation where drywall on both sides, you're going to get a good signal. Centralize your modem. Make sure everyone is using five gigahertz if they can, because you won't get the overlapping bands. Prioritize apps in your quality of service and get rid of the bandwidth hogs. Seriously, get rid of the bandwidth hogs. Well, they're Those teenagers, so... Yeah, I know. That's yeah, that's what I'm calling them. Bandwidth hugs. Well, you can limit them. Or teenagers. Yeah. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, well these are because I've heard that Wi-Fi was impacted. Uh, glass and metal and concrete tended to do bad Absolutely. things. Absolutely. Signal and some you know, people would. You know even what get... actually will do bad things too? What? And this is no joke. An aquarium. Really? An aquarium. I mean, I, the fish I'm are stealing your bandwidth, water. man. Yeah, the fish are stealing. Yeah, they're they're on TikTok. Mm-hmm. No, I think it has more to do with the water. something along those lines. But, you know, a lot of people like to put their things in a closet to hide it away. Bad, bad idea. Yeah, the signals want to get out, man. The signals want to get out. Plus, you got wire hangers. You got all sorts of metal in there and stuff like that. It's really not a good idea. Also, one other thing, too, which I neglected to mention, replace the antennas. A lot of these modems come with these antennas. Position them straight up and get bigger ones if you can. Mm-hmm. This is a case where, you know, the whole Texas vibe is 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 right. Bigger is better. Yeah. Giant rabbit ears for your... Giant rabbit ears. Yeah, I remember rabbit ears. I yeah, used to Yeah, with a little that. foil on the end. Yeah. We're old, yeah. man. Yeah, we are. We yeah. sure are. All right. Well, this is helpful because I know a lot of people are probably trying to figure out how to get the maximum bandwidth just because they are working from home and you're competing with remote learning and everything else is going on. And I think a lot of ISPs are also overloaded. So every little bit you can get out of it from your end because either yeah. maybe slightly throttling or they're just getting hammered because everyone is using the system. Absolutely. Uh, right. Just having your own gear set up to maximize uh, your own speed is probably uh, quite useful. Makes the most sense. And listen to the Verizon text that I was uh, riding herd on couple of uh, days ago. I'm sorry. My bad. Yes. <laughs> I apologize. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Let's, <laughs> let's thank the bros. Let's yes. Thank, the thank bros. you, bros. <laughs> thank you, bros. Builtbybros.com. If you think it, they will build it. Yes. And thank you, <laughs> listeners. We hope everyone is staying uh, safe and sane here in the, the kind of current reality. And yes. uh, one of these days, we will have news that is not related to the coronavirus. Uh, hopefully, that'll be soon. Yeah. I have to dig harder. We just like do a whole show of just really weird stuff but um yes but until then and the next time we're back i'm jd beersdorfer and i'm pedro rafael rosa everyone stay safe stay safe sorry verizon sorry <laughs> send them some chocolates i think i will